welcome to the Antifada, where unrest is best. I'm Jamie Peck, and I am here with a very exciting guest today. She is a writer, a musician, a prolific leftist shit poster on a website called Twitter.com. Let's give a warm Antifada welcome to Heather Fortune. How you doing, Heather? <laughs> hey, what's up? Hey, Jamie. That was like a wrestling intro. I liked it a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's cool. I'm wor- I've been working on my intros. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little awkward, but I think I nailed this one. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. So um, I mentioned in a previous episode that it was um, very a very exciting moment, a meeting of the minds, if you will, when I met Heather at Basilica Soundscape. For the first time recently, mm-hmm. I uh, I was really I liked your music. I actually paid my own money to go see Wax Idols. This is and this is a time when I was a music journalist. I got into things for free. I went just for fun. Whoa! And you know, paid for your music as well. This is I a new fact. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was into it. Cool. I, I like you. your music a lot. I was a fan. Thank you. So then I wanted to meet you, and then I feel like I can talk about this in a vague way. Um, I was very thankful. There are not that many divorce albums that I know of that I can relate to, made by women I can relate to. Mm-hmm. And it really, uh, I listened to it a lot during a certain time in my life. Oh, yeah. Time. American Tragic? That one, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. And Happy Ending. Oh, yeah. Happy cool. Ending isn't really a divorce album oh. so much, but I mean, but maybe p- if it is to you, then that's cool. Oh, it's definitely a divorce album <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see I could see the correlation. I, I mean, there's some breakup I- action on that album, I feel. No? It's pretty much ex- ex- exclusively about death. Oh, well, <laughs> so lost. death of sorts. It counts. Yeah. Well, regardless, yeah. I listened to both of them, mm. and um, especially, okay, I, I took myself on a little walkabout this past summer. When my personal life was falling apart mm. and I have some bittersweet memories of just driving my friend's beater car around Los Angeles. Um, shout out to Dave Tassie. You've got your priorities in order. Like one of those cars where the air conditioning doesn't work, but there's a really good sound system. Oh, yeah. Just driving around in this little yellow car, like singing along, crying a little. Who needs air conditioning anyway? It's bad for your voice if you're trying to sing. Is it? Yeah. It dries oh. your throat out. Good to know. Yeah. I was feeling very moist. Susie Sue reportedly would one time at a show, um, like refuse to go on stage because they were blasting the air conditioning. <sighs> and I heard that she like, this might be total, a total rumor, but I heard that she actually like ripped an, an AC unit out of somewhere once and like threw it out a window wow, or something. I don't know if it's true, but I, I choose to believe that. Nice. Warning, I'm about to make a noise. It's okay. This microphone, I have this microphone um, rigged up to a broom <laughs> as like a mic stand and extreme it seems, DIY. Seems like it's working pretty well. Yeah. But anyway, these uh, these songs meant things to me. So it was cool for me to meet you. And like sometimes you get into someone's music and you feel like you kind of understand each other and then you meet them and they're like kind of an asshole or whatever and not how you expected them to be. Mm-hmm. But. You were like pretty cool, so uh, thanks for thanks for that. I try to not be an asshole. I don't always succeed, but you know. Yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really do try though. And, yeah, and like now having this experience, this strange new experience myself of people coming up to me and saying they like my work, has given me some perspective. Because I'm like, maybe someday I'll be jaded enough so that I don't like that. But (laughs) I don't even think, I mean, there definitely are some types of people who are just assholes and like really don't like it. But I think a lot of it has to do with social anxiety. Like 
m- most musicians that I know are f- like fucking weird people who deal with anxiety and stuff. I know I do. And that seems counterintuitive because you're like, oh, you're up on a stage. How can you be shy or whatever? But it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I, I definitely have had kind of a hard time over the years adjusting to receiving any kind of like complimentary, you know, anything or having strangers know who like recognize me as I say, which mm-hmm. doesn't happen that often. Cause I'm like, you know, D list alt alt known. <laughs> I feel like we might be like the, about the same level in our respective worlds. Yeah. We're just like, well known enough to have a lot of strangers who have a lot of fucking opinions lots, about us lots. and what we should be doing, but like not successful enough to like be having lots of money. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, the opposite of lots of money. You know, yeah, we're going to talk about this a little later. The yeah. music biz, the, uh, oh, good. That old chestnut. Oh, great. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then like we were friends after that. It was pretty cool. I felt more confident because like I know Brandon your manager and i wasn't just some brando so mm-hmm. i was like well that's in my favor yeah when well, you're and you're a woman who's like goth so you're like have an automatic shoe in with me hell yeah like just off the bat i'm always going to be nice to a goth girl who's like i like your stuff I'm like i'm not going to be like fuck you like i'm going to be <laughs> like hell yeah that's like Same. that's the dream i wish it was i mean never mind i won't go i won't say that i want to be i want to be inclusive of yeah. all, all the peoples but i do love myself you know uh, a big titty goth girlfriend Hell yeah. <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Your dreams are coming true. Finally. And vice versa. <laughs> so then we were like friends on the Twitter. And then I said I was going to New Hampshire to maybe see the Strokes, maybe see Bernie Sanders, do a little canvassing. Heather was like, ooh, can I come too? I was like, hell yeah. So we got a little Motley crew together. We went to New Hampshire. And now we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So what? let's see. Let's First things first. All right. Um, why do you... Heather Fortune, support Bernie Sanders for president. Are you just trying to meet boys or what? <laughs> God, no, I wish I could meet less boys. Um, no, I <laughs> I support Bernie Sanders because I genuinely believe that he supports me and he supports my family and he supports the people that I care about and the communities that I care about. Um, you know, I grew up in a working class family, Midwestern family. My dad is, you know, a 20 year, my stepdad is like a 20 year plus, uh, Chicago union guy. And I don't know. I just, the, the politics of socialism or democratic socialism, whatever you want to call it, are just the most closely aligned with the things I believe in, in terms of electoral politics and what we can achieve within that, uh, structure. So yeah, it just seems like the chance of a lifetime to have somebody who's not a piece of shit be the president seems wild can't believe it's possible but it does seem possible yes so i'm like all in very possible i just wrote an op-ed to that effect in fact that like oh my god it kind of blew up it's crazy the nbc one yeah yeah it was lit thank you fucking (laughs) bernie sanders himself posted it on the bernie sanders facebook page zaddy sanders yeah (laughs) uh, that made me feel really happy i love calling him zaddy zaddy with a z like i don't know why like the yeah. Zaddy is like the Yiddish word for grandpa. Okay, so I'm just saying Zaddy then because I'm not Jewish. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I just like the idea of daddy with a Z. Well, but uh, Zaddy, yeah. Zaddy, Zaddy, Daddy. It's a good it's a good synthesis yeah. of those concepts. Please please don't hate me, uh, Yiddish speakers. I, I, I'm just a white. He's my Zaddy. <laughs> no, we're learning. We're yeah. learning and growing together. Um, thank you, by the way, to everyone who donated money to our trip. I always feel a little bit dirty asking people for money, 
even though I do a podcast that's funded purely through Patreon. But you didn't ask anyone. But people pe- were like throwing it at people us. People were asking me. And then I was like, why, yes. And I tweeted my Venmo. And then some more people donated. So thank you, people. Yeah. Special shout out to Janice. Hell yeah. Who is a beautiful angel from God. Oh, I have to send her her stroke shirt. Sorry, Janice. By the time you get here, this you'll probably have it. I, can, I got her a can shirt. Can we say her name? Can we say who she is? I'm sure. Yeah. Shout out to Janice Griffith. You're yeah. really awesome. Yeah. She is a comrade. She's funneling that porn money right to the people. Straight to the people. Hell yeah. So, um, oh yeah, and your Antifada shirt, by the way, you may claim that anytime. Um, I would love to send you one in the mail. If you give me one, I'll send it with the, the Strokes one. Oh, uh, yeah, a little t-shirt. Well, gift bag. Yeah, a little gift bag for That'd you. That'd be so nice. Janice, you little angel. She's out there. She's out there volunteering right now, probably. I bet she is. As we speak. Hot girls for Bernie. Beautiful angel. Hot mm-hmm. girl for Bernie. Absolutely. Actually, I think they, I think they came out as non-binary, but I'm not sure about oh, really? pref- preferred. Pro- I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to ask. Well, I'm gonna go with them for now. Cool, cool. So yeah, we drove to New Hampshire in my car. We had a little Motley crew. Shout out to Liz and Samson came yes. with us. Yes. And I thought it would be fun to stay in a haunted beach town in the winter time. It was. It was. It was a weird little beach town called Hampton. Very nice in the summertime. We've never been. There's a boardwalk. There's a big arcade. It's a little, it's got a little bit of a sketchy vibe. It's not a fancy beach town. Yeah. Which I like. But the beach itself is quite nice. Yeah, it was. And it was like really, um, the the moon was really pretty on the water. I took a little walk on the beach. Well, that weekend was a full moon weekend too, which, you know, so if, if, uh, there are any witches for Bernie out there, the magic, the magic really came through. Yeah, you could do some New Hampshire. serious magic out there. <laughs> and, like, the sand was really hard and easy to walk on because it was so fucking cold. Yeah. It was fun. It was nice. So then we uh, we canvassed a little. A we, lot. A lot, yes. We canvassed two days in a row. Yeah. And the first day, let's talk a little bit about that experience. Um, I guess the first day we were getting sent out to more rural areas yeah. because all the, you know, we don't get up that early. All the walkable areas. No, correction. Taken. You don't get up that early. Yeah, Liz and enough. I were up and ready to go. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, by the time I'm old. we all got there. Oh, I'm probably older than you. I'm old at heart. All right. Fair. <laughs> I'm about to turn 35, guys. The whole thing. So I guess technically you are older than me, but not uh, by much. Uh, you got a young spirit, yeah, kid. it's true. I mean, everyone thinks I'm like a fucking teenager who watches Majority Report. <laughs> you do look, you do look like more in your twenties than well, thank your thirties. Yeah. I just tell myself it's because I look so good and not because my politics are dumb and naive. It's not because you're no. It's it's no, I I choose not to believe that that's for what some, it is. For some people, it is. But no, fuck them. Anyway, we got out to the rural places mm-hmm. where, man, people in New Hampshire are not always super nice. <laughs> some of them really want you to stay off their property, live free or die. <laughs> It is. It really is. Like, a lot of these houses are just surrounded by this, like, moat of ice. I feel like they like that. They want that there on mm-hmm. purpose because it just keeps intruders. There was one house that I li- I literally could not walk up the, the pathway mm-hmm. to the door. Liz had better boots on, like snow boots, so mm. she was able to get up there. But I could not. I was just slipping in the sliding. Yeah, that happened. There was one guy who was like, don't walk any further. It's really dangerous. I'm like... All right, so we had a conversation from like ten feet away from him. Yeah, it was kind of fun, and he was concerned about climate change. I'm like, is that because you don't want your ice moat to melt? <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> but uh, what was canvassing like for you? Um, you know, Liz and I, the first day, um, Liz and I had a pretty good time, even though it was a bit treacherous. Um, 
we had some good experiences. We rang the sales bell a few times. Hell yeah. Um, we talked to some really nice people, saw some cute dogs. Um, saw one scary dog apparently when Liz oh, was canvassing by herself. I wasn't with, that was before we started. Oh wait, that was, that was day that was two. The second yeah, day when Liz, Liz got was canvassing by herself. She got chased. Chased by a dog. <laughs> by a giant dog that she thought was a bear at first. <laughs> I was like, damn. And like, out of all of us, I feel like Liz was kind of asking for it the least. Oh, yeah. Liz, Liz is a very, like, um, sweet, kind of, like, non-confrontational, like, presence. You know, very, like, low-key. And, uh, yeah, if anyone should have been attacked by a dog, it should have been, like, me or Samson, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were more... I was a little more... I was trying really hard not to be aggressive because I know once I start, it's hard to turn it off. And I have to remind myself it's not Twitter, you know? I'm not trying to own the person... <laughs> That's not how you get people to vote for me. Yeah, you're trying to get, you're trying to, you're trying to say, you're trying to make friends, make pals. I, I feel like we did a good job, you know, like I definitely, like you said, on Twitter and stuff, it's easy to like be uh, funny and ridiculous or whatever. But when I'm in person speaking to strangers, I'm not like, eh, fuck you, lib, like whatever, you know, I'm like, okay, hey, boomer. like, okay, boomer. <laughs> Sidebar. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 especially when I'm canvassing for Bernie, it's like, you know, we don't, you don't want people to come away from an experience with a Bernie volunteer thinking that they, you know, they were insulted or that you were mean or something, that's not going to help anything, you know? So yeah, definitely. And it was easy. It's easy to be nice to people when you're face to face and you're just chilling talking, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's being just being mean is the scary thing, really. Yeah. So and some people, some people, I guess were mean to you and Samson a little, yeah. but I didn't really get, there was one guy who straight up told Liz and I, um, he did not want to talk to us. And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, I'm pretty sure. And then Liz was like, <laughs> can we give you this little thing, this little uh, pamphlet thing? And uh, he was like, okay. And so she gave it to him and kind of talked a little to him while about Bernie's record and stuff as she was doing the handoff. And then that somehow like got him to be willing to talk to us a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was cool. I, I liked doing it. I wish I was in Nevada right now doing it some more. Same. Well, maybe Janice is doing it in Nevada right now. Yeah, my friends uh, Jen and Brace are, are are doing it. They're there. Hell yeah. You know Jen. Yeah. You know Shout them. out to Jen and Brace. I met them at the DSA convention. They were very nice and very funny. Yes. Brace Belden, True Anon. The best. Mm -hmm. My favorite. My favorite podcast. Also alongside the Antifada. It's very good. <laughs> Their rise has been fucking meteoric too. What's that? Their rise has been fucking meteoric. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just really good. I'm, anyway, I would recommend. I mean, don't get bogged down by like conspiratorial, you know, ideas that you think that podcast is about. It's actually just a very, very smart and also hilarious. Very funny. Yeah. He's a funny guy. He is. He's One a, he's a contra people that I've ever met. He's a controversial figure. Yeah, a bit. Like, I don't agree with him on everything, but no. I'm glad to have him. Yeah. Glad yeah. to have him ar around. I can lot. vouch for Brace in, in, a, in a lot of ways. I've known him since he was, like, 18. Oh so he's, he's sure. Does he have his flaws? Is Has he done done and said some controversial things? Sure. Um, who among us Who among us hasn't? But um, he's a good boy. Indeed. So let's let's dig into these conversations a little. I really want to know how this conversation went where you persuaded somebody to vote for Bernie because, like, the conventional wisdom among most people is that just doesn't happen. Right. Oh, was this the Biden guy? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. So there was one in particular. Yeah, there was the Biden guy. It was the guy. You guys really happy. Yeah, we were really happy about it. Okay, so Liz and I were talking to this guy. 
for a while and he was pretty he was pretty convinced that he was going to vote for Biden. He was like, you know, that's I think that he'll do better on uh foreign policy. And, you know, his on uh you know, not being getting involved in wars. He's really concerned about going to war and uh we were like, okay, well, why do you think, you know, that Bernie wouldn't be just as good if not better than Biden on foreign policy? I mean, he has a staunch anti-war uh point of view and track record, voting record, et cetera, et cetera, things we know. And he was really like open to hearing that and was like, Oh, okay. And then we showed him the pamphlet thing with Bernie's voting record and like the proof or whatever. And he was very into that. And then he was talking about how he had built a solar panel in his house to, for electricity or to heat the house or for, to run electricity because he was so concerned about um, climate change. Because he was an older gentleman, and he said, you know, I've seen it firsthand. The boardwalks, you know, some of the old boardwalks are underwater now. You know, in the 60s, they were there. Now they're not there anymore. I've seen it firsthand. I know it's not a hoax. And so then we were able to really get into talking about climate change and, you know, Green New Deal and, like, all, every all the stuff that Bernie is more hardcore about than any other candidate when it comes to that. And that's what really sold him. And he said to us by, by the time we uh, walked away, you know, that, that we had changed his mind and... It was because we had come to his door. So it was a really cool, cool moment. He was a sweetheart, too. Hell yeah. yeah. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, it was great. We were really happy. We felt like we were both kind of like, wow. And then he also, he like wanted to hang out with us, too, I think. He was like, because something about us being musicians. Oh, yeah, Liz was talking about how we both struggled to have health insurance and stuff because we're freelance writers and musicians and we had mentioned that, and so at, when we were on our way out, he was like, "Oh, you you said you were musicians. Like, where can I? You know, was like wanting to t- wanting to chat some more, and it was cute. Nice. We were like, we gotta go, bud, but like, rock on or whatever. Nice. <laughs> it was cool. That's really cool, and it also kind of goes against the people who are like, um, people in the middle of the country don't want to talk to a bunch of hipsters from New York. False. They they do. They're they're intrigued. They most every every person that we mentioned like. We drove from Brooklyn to come here. They were like, wow. They thought it was really cool. And even if they didn't agree with us or they weren't into Bernie, they were like really impressed by our devotion and like willingness to drive out and speak to people, you know, that weren't our neighbors and that we didn't know. They, No one was like, oh, get out of here, hipster. <laughs> Everyone was like, whoa, that's really cool. You know, it's, I don't know. People yeah. who, people who say things like that are cynical and probably yeah. like losers. So you just be yourself. <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah. I mean, I'm always out there being myself because that's the only self I know how to be. And it's like a, you could talk to all kinds of people across yeah. cultural differences. And also it makes an whatever. assumption about people in New Hampshire or in wherever that there's no hipsters there. It's like, uh, not true. I grew up in rural Michigan and I was definitely a, pretty much the same as I am now, just less hot. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you were still hot. No, I wasn't. I, I believe in you. No, no, no. I have proof. Okay. Well, you can show me later. <laughs> That's very inspiring to hear. Um, I don't know if I rang the sales bell at all, but I had some a few good conversations with people. Like when you're out there canvassing, which I encourage everybody listening to do, um, most people aren't home. And then there's a, a decent number of people who are just like, I've already made up my mind, but there's a few. There's like more undecided people than you might even expect there to be. And... Like, we had this conversation with the one guy who was like, oh, I care about climate change. What about Tom Steyer? And I was like, well, 
Tom Steyer doesn't have enough votes to win. Also, he really likes Bernie. Also, Bernie's climate change platform is has been endorsed by the Sunrise Movement and all the environmental groups who um, know about these things as being the best one. And he seemed like he was thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I think the honeymoon is over with Steyer and Bernie now. Oh, certainly. yeah. He was running those those anti-Bernie ads in Nevada. Uh. Yeah, it's on site with Tom now. You better watch your back. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Protect not, your neck. Oh, that's, that was an alleged threat. Parody. Not a real one. Parody. Parody. So what else did we do? We had a good second day. We went to slightly more suburban neighborhoods. Went to the Chapo show. That was obviously fun. That was great. But the Stepford Wives, remember that? Oh, yeah. There were so there were a lot of missing women in New Hampshire. I was Look driving the car while this was happening. Um, I was the getaway vehicle, so I did not actually speak to these men who were mysteriously hiding their their wives who were the vo- the voters that we were trying to reach. Yeah, because we had a list of like who lives there. Yeah, we were trying to talk to, and a lot of cases it was a woman, and the man was like, "Oh, she she's not available right now, or she's like lying down, or she doesn't care about politics. She has a headache." Or whatever, like, well, let me, just let me talk to her. Like, let her tell me that for herself. Yeah. You talk to Jennifer. Where's Jennifer? Where are you keeping her? <laughs> it was very weird. And then I've since, like, gotten tweets from people who were like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a real thing where the husband's a Republican and the wife is a Democrat. And the husbands t- kind of try to gatekeep their wife's participation in politics. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck? That's that is um, pathetic. It really offended me as a feminist and just as someone who likes democracy. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that Jennifer like didn't want to talk to us. Um, But it's it's it is weird how often there was a Jennifer who didn't want to talk to us, supposedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. We also talked to a guy who was like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend, Sarah Silverman is my girlfriend and she's a big Bernie supporter. So we're big Bernie supporters in this house. I was like, cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's true. I have no like, idea. Um, shout out Sarah Silverman. If you ever hear this, please confirm or deny the mysterious boyfriend in New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, or, or actually, or Talk don't do either. That's your business. That's nobody's business. She's from New Hampshire. Maybe we met her boyfriend. Very possible. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't want to, like, stereotype him based on what he looks like. Like, you could never date Sarah I Silverman. I didn't see him, so I don't know. I don't know what he looked like. But let's yeah, not even like let's not dad. even go there. Yeah. Let's just not even. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was cool. He was voting for Bernie. That's all that matters. That is all that matters. So what else did we do? Oh, we saw a little band called The Strokes. We yes. saw We saw Bernie Sanders open for The Strokes. <laughs> that was so crazy. Something, if you told me that in, like, in 2004 maybe yeah that someday i was gonna watch the first uh jewish socialist president open for the strokes at a rally i'd be like what oh wow the future is better than i thought it would be yeah but it's gonna be really terrible first perhaps <laughs> it's gonna, no i mean when between 2004 oh and, yeah and, oh and yeah 2020 that's definitely it's gonna be true. really terrible and then you're gonna get to see bernie sanders yeah. and the strokes and cornell west oh my god that was i think the most excited that you got the whole time was when cornell west came out because you didn't realize he was gonna be there yeah yeah because like, i saw him popping out. out from around the corner so i much. love him so much oh my gosh brother west so much respect for that man he's just oh, yeah i love him he's so brilliant and I love when he talks. Every time he talks, I just am like, yes. He's so good. I like how he calls everyone brother. Yeah. Or sister. It's very endearing. It's I also very like pastoral, you know, it's like preacher man style. You yeah. know, it's like, it's something that I've, I respond to a lot. He's just like your everyday traveling preacher man with a PhD. 
yeah, just a G, a genius, G for genius. Yeah, I, I also really liked it when um, when the strokes came out and then everyone took a picture with them. I saw the picture. Cornell West is in the back, like throwing the horns. Throwing the horns. Yeah, I did a big zoom so in cool. on that. I was just like, yeah, he was the best in the photo, too. I mean, yeah, Cor- Cornell West honestly was the highlight for me. That and Samson inciting a riot. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so cool. So <laughs> I guess. OK, let me back up one second and give a shout out to AOC. Because she was a good speaker before, and now she's clearly been, like, traveling around with Cornel West and Nina Turner and, uh-huh. like, picking up some vibes from them. Yeah. And, like, got even better. Yeah, Nina Turner was also phenomenal. Oh, she's so good. Yeah. She's definitely, I mean, she's definitely going to get a post in the Bernie administration. I'm, like, thinking about what she should be. Maybe, like, chief of staff or something. Some, some Something where she can really muscle, use her muscle, because yeah. she's a great motivator. Yeah. So then the Strokes played... And that was pretty cool. It was. They started with a cover of Burning Down the House, which I thought was very clever. Me too. Loved it. So yeah, Heather, on a scale from one to 10, how much do you want to live the millennial dream and have all of Julian Casablanca's babies? (laughs) Well, apparently, see, I, I, okay, yes, I am a big Julian Casablanca's fan. Uh, not even so much because of the strokes and more just because I really admire how his, his I, th- I think of him as sort of like the last rock star, you know, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I really love his solo work Fair. and I think he's very smart. And I also really like that he's a class trader. I mean, yeah, he's a rich boy and he grew up and he was ultra privileged and all of them were and like yada, yada. Well, yeah. But I listened to that. Your favorite band sucks podcast. And I found out they went to like the fanciest boarding school yeah. in the world or something. Yeah, they're like insanely rich kids, like like full on. But he is actively working against like his own interests or his family's own interests in supporting Bernie Sanders alone, not to mention all the other things that he's said and done over the years. So I I I I fuck with that. Like I think he can't help that he was born into, you know, millions of dollars, but That's he true. is choosing how to wield that power around to a certain extent, which is cool. However, I also had a lot of respect for him because he was married to like their manager and they had some kids and it seemed like he really, he got sober and he was being a nice, good boy. So I wasn't really like, Ooh, I want to have your babies. I was like, Ooh, you have babies and a nice wife and you're doing your, you're campaigning for Bernie. You're, and you're so smart and you're cool. But then I found out that a bombshell the other day, last week, what? what a was bombshell it? about Julian Casablancas, which is that apparently, <laughs> apparently he and his wife are no longer together, and he there is there are photos on the internet that I have not yet procured. So listeners, if you know what I'm talking about and you find know have these photos, please please hit the DMs of him sucking a titty of his 21 year old girlfriend's what? titties. <laughs> In public, what? in a museum, what? in a museum, Re- in a museum. Yeah, recently. So, <laughs> wow, what? I, I feel our levels are blowing out a little. Yeah, bit sorry, I just got really excited I'm about it. Tweak the tweak the knob a little yeah, bit. Sorry, this, sorry this sorry news about is that. too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot news. Too hot of news. Yeah, sucking a titty. Julian Casablanca sucking a titty. So He's back, folks. <laughs> Oh yeah, meet me, me, me in the bathroom in round two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that does. I'm not judging the man. You know, who knows what's going on in his personal life? That's none of my business. But I was like, whoa, whoa, that was a bombshell for me. Mm-hmm. Coming down from the Bernie Sanders rally and then being like, you out here sucking a titty. Intriguing. Like, does that mean you're available or like? Well, no, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> just kidding. Hey, you never know. Maybe he listens to the Antifada and you'll find out soon. Oh, well, either way. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't want to talk any further about <laughs> Julian. That's fair. You know, it's your this is private stuff. Yeah, it's his private life. But, uh, but I, I, I lost my mind when I, when I found that yeah, out. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice mental picture. Yeah. Seems seems nice. He would, was it you that said that he he makes a really good case for a, a, oh, a yeah. small chin? That was that was mean. That was a mean thing for me to say about Julian Casablancas. But I was like, yeah, he's done very well for a weak chinned man. I think he has. <laughs> I think he can handle it. He seems pretty he's like he seems style. like he's got a good sense of humor. I think so. He's yeah. still attractive. Oh yeah, he looks great. Like he has done very well like i said for a man with less of a chin than some remember he was just like talking about pirates or something on stage like was he he went on like a rant about how he's really into pirates right oh, now yeah, and i was, was like what the fuck are you talking weird. about but it was funny i'm like i'm here for it <laughs> yeah fine i'll i'll look into that later yeah yeah I, now i gotta look back at what the fuck he said he he was just he was saying that he was really into pirates and then he made some he like somehow he was like uh he must have realized as he was talking that it what he was saying made no sense in the context of performing at a Bernie Sanders rally. And so he kind of tried to like compare the like raping and pillaging that pirates did to the raping and pillaging that like billion, the billionaire class does of society. Sure. And that's like who Bernie's fighting against. But he knew that it didn't land <laughs> and he like was laughing as he was trying to yeah. like say it, which, not which every- made it even funnier to me. Not everything you say is always going to land. I know that from podcasting. You just got to fucking take the L and move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He definitely, had, I think he took an L in that moment for sure. But he redeemed himself shortly thereafter. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So shit. So the end of the stroke, and it was like they played, it was like a real concert. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you go to a rally and a band is playing and the sound sucks and they only play like three songs and it's very disappointing. Um, not going to name any names. I'm sure it wasn't TV on the radio's fault that that happened at the Bernie rally in Long Island city. But like, I definitely chose that one because I love TV on the radio. Yeah. And I could barely hear any of their songs. And I was really, sad. I can assure you it was not their fault as a person who has had to perform with many, many a crappy sound person. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Like they know what their fuck they're doing, but the strokes must have brought, they probably wheeled in their own. They probably had their own sound mm. situation. Also, this one was outside. Oh, yeah. Which is always harder. Yeah. But this was like, this is like a real concert in like a giant uh, auditorium where sports are played mm-hmm. normally mm-hmm. at a University of New Hampshire. There were a lot of young people there, which um, I don't know if they were there for Bernie or the Strokes, but it made me feel slightly less old to know that young people still listen to this band that was like a seminal part of my youth when yeah. I was just a young chick in new york city trying to go to parties and have fun and be part of the scene or whatever (laughs) and then i saw then i saw a tweet that made me feel old all over again where somebody pointed out that julian casablancas is about the same age now that stevie nicks was in 1992 when bill clinton used that fleetwood mac song don't stop thinking about tomorrow is his campaign song and i just remember like See, I was only like six when that happened, so I don't remember that at all. I, do I remember that? I don't know. But like, I definitely remember being aware of Fleetwood Mac as a kid as being like, that's music that my parents listened to. Uh, see, I don't think I ever listened to Fleetwood Mac intentionally until I was like in my early 20s because my parents are 80s teens. So they listened to mm. like The Clash and like Madonna and Prince and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how some millennials have boomer parents and some millennials have 
Gen X parents. Yeah, mine are Gen X. Well, they were teenagers when I was born, so they were young pups. But Samson. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the end of the Strokes concert. I went to the bathroom. Heather went to the bathroom, and our friends were like really wanting to fight their way up to the front and we like went with them for a minute and then we were both like oh we have too much stuff with us i had to go to the bathroom to our very good seats (laughs) heather had to be but then a little while later i noticed a crowd surfer up front i'm like is that fucking samson and of course it was samson samson was one of the he was in our caravan he came up with us from brooklyn yeah and then he like made it because he was like crowd surfing from the crowd and then he made it up onto the stage and I saw him, like, try to go for a stage dive, and the cops stopped him. They had, like, real cops there doing security. Yeah. They weren't just dressed like cops, folks. They were cops. Actual cops. And someone stopped him and, like, nicely escorted him down from yeah. the stage. And then Julian Casablancas invited everybody else to come up on the stage. Before that happened, no, while, he, while Samson was being escorted, Julian said mid-song, let him jump. On the mic. Uh, He did. Yeah. He did. And then Samson kind of flopped back into the crowd. (laughs) And then Julian was like, fuck it. And was like, come on. He said, what do you say? Come sit on Santa's lap. He was like patting his knee being like, come on up here and sit on Santa's lap and like laughing. And then a bunch of people came up there Mm -hmm. and the cops were all like freaking out and trying to get control the situation and they were playing new york city cops and he was like singing it at the cops it was really good <laughs> literally the cop right next to him I mean, i'm sure most people have seen the footage by now because it was huge if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor check it out yeah uh, truly iconic i oh. mean that's this is this is yet again a reason to stand julian casablancas mm-hmm. yeah and you know another reason why our crew was awesome yeah our crew was lit our crew was the best it's true um also i met some fans of the show as in this show which was pretty cool it's always nice like i did a tweet about it i'm like if you come up to me in public and tell me you like the majority report i will talk with you until i want to leave however if you tell me you like the antifada i will talk with you until you want to leave so (laughs) choose wisely (laughs) yeah i saw this in action jamie was definitely getting recognized all over the place it was pretty cool i'm not gonna lie and like without getting too personal about it like things have been kind of difficult lately Mm -hmm. for reasons y'all can probably imagine so knowing that there are people out there who for whom my work means something definitely helps keep me going. Yeah. So thank you. It's precious. Yeah. What else? Where was I? What were we just talking about? Oh, oh the, the, the fans. Yeah. Fans. Very nice. Thank you, fans. Mm-hmm. And we're back. So what else is going on before we, I have a section about music. I want to talk a little bit about music. Um, okay. We could talk about fucking Bloomberg. You could, you seem like you have an opinion on that. I mean, pff, I got nothing but opinions. Uh, no, I just saw a tweet that's like someone being like, Bloomberg swings back at Bernie and he's naming names in a press release. And it's like a press release that Bloomberg just sent out, I guess, that lists off um, a series of tweets from people like Brie Brie Joy and Nina Turner. Shout out to those queens. Hell yeah. David Sirota. And it's like, and they, it refers to these tweets as attacks. And they're just things like... You know, calling him an oligarch and talking about how he's a billionaire and he's buying the election and that he 
you know, is a racist authoritarian, et cetera, et cetera. All these things are true and good. All these things are critiques and not attacks. It's not like these people are saying, hey, Mike Bloomberg, watch your back because I'm going to throw a bag of dog shit in your face next time you walk out the door, you stupid stupid little troll. Yeah, don't do that. Don't call him a stupid little troll. That would be an attack. Don't throw dog shit at him. That would be an attack. Saying that he's a billionaire who is buying the election and referring to him as an oligarch. These are literal facts, people. Mm -hmm. These are not these are not attacks. They are facts. It rhymes. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Attacks. And if facts are not attacks. If facts land as attacks, maybe that should say more about the person they're about or the person saying they're attacks than the person saying the fact. Yeah, it's like, methinks the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's he trying to say? He's not a billionaire who's buying up all the ad space in existence? Is that not true? It's definitely true. Oh, my God. That guy on fucking CNN or whatever who is like, mad at nina turner for calling bloomberg an oligarch like i didn't see that oh god what was his name jason something some fucking bootlicker it doesn't matter anyway (laughs) nina turner called bloomberg an oligarch very accurately and the guy's like that's not fair to call him an oligarch because blah 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 blah. no like literally the definition of an oligarchy is rule by the few and bloomberg is one of a few people who you know not only just exploits people to have a ton of money but uses that money to exert power over society. Yeah. That's not an oligarch. I don't know what is. I don't know. I, I, yeah, me thinks, me thinks oligarch. That's, if you, I think if you, look, if you look up oligarch in the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of Mike Bloomberg. Accurate. Yeah. So that's just, all. That's all that I was just, while we were on a break, quick break, I, of course, went straight to Twitter. I hate him and so I'm much. And um, I'm in a Twitter DM group called the First Wives Chat. It's like a, basically a cabal of leftist women. <laughs> Secret cabal. I'll never tell. Um, and uh, yeah, one of them had sent had sent that because we've all been talking about how we have like Bloomberg man- like mania fatigue from all the Bloomberg stuff. We all feel like we're taking so crazy mad. pills. And it's so scary too. Like Ben Dixon came on the Majority Report the other day because he's doing the Lord's work trying to get all the stories out about stop and frisk and Bloomberg's racism out to black voters so that they don't vote for him. Right. And like. I'm just concerned that nobody has enough reach to get that information out to low information voters because Bloomberg basically owns the fucking media. Like certainly nothing that I say is going to make a difference. Yeah. No oligarchy to see here, folks. Like what? Like, yeah. It's horrible. It's like he, really his bad. own Ben Dixon showed us some texts with his mom who like believed that Bloomberg had been endorsed by Obama. I guess he may have implied that at some point in time. She's like, he seems like he's going to beat Trump. And then he told her about uh, all the racist shit that Bloomberg said and did. And then she was like, oh, fuck him. Yeah. 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 It's it's really scary. It's bad. We we have to do like they're spreading disinformation using all of these media outlets that Bloomberg literally controls and his billions and billions of dollars. Um, And so like it is it is our patriarchal duty. Patriarchal? No. Patriotic. Patriotic. (laughs) Freudian slip. It's Um, our anti-patriarchal. It's our (laughs) anti- I gotta take an L here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We gotta gotta just talk about what a piece of shit Bloomberg is. Like, no holds barred. If If he buys the fucking nomination and they steal it from Bernie somehow, if Bernie goes into the convention with a plurality of votes and they hand it to Bloomberg, like, 
I don't want that to happen, but that's definitely like the accelerationist option for anyone who believes that the Democratic Party is an unreformable institution and needs to be destroyed. That might do it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely um, a suicide mission on the on the on the part of the DNC if they decide to go there. I mean, that'd be crazy. I mean, I saw I'm sure it's not true, but I saw that article, that New York Post article about how Bloomberg was supposedly considering Hillary as a running mate if he got the ticket. And I was just I mean, I made a joke, a Twitter joke about it. But I was the first thing that popped into my head was that Mission of Burma song. It's like. That's when I reach for my revolver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was stuck mm-hmm. in my head for like two days afterward because that's that's how I feel. Like that's when I that's when I pick up the gun. Certainly not going to fucking vote for him. No, no, no. He, he in some ways he might be worse than Trump actually because yeah. Trump at least has galvanized some sort of resistance backlash on the part of liberals who think that he's awful because he is. Because he is, yeah. And Bloomberg is just as racist, sexist, and horrible and would be probably more effective in carrying out those policies but might not galvanize the same kind of resistance because, because he's he nicer, supposedly. Talk sometimes. He's he's less he's less offensive than Trump so that so everyone can just go to sleep at night thinking everything's fine and it's like the devil you know rather than the devil you don't know. And that is disgusting and pathetic. And, uh, yeah, I, I I fucking hate that shit. Terrifying. Hate it. Hate it. Um, anyway. Right. Let's talk about some music stuff. So uh, I would like to know from a working musician, Heather, uh, how's music biz these days? It's uh, still lucrative uh, by any new fucking cocaine statues or champagne fountains with all that money you're making from spotify oh yeah i'm just swimming in the cash i actually bought a a multi-billion dollar loft in in bushwick just the other day um and yeah it's been great no no it's it's absolutely terrible i'm actually not even really working as a musician at this point i'm in a a state of semi-retirement that's what i've been jokingly referring to it as where i'm not really performing live and i'm not um actively in the process of writing like a record or like getting ready to do a record cycle or do any of that see i already knew these things but i'm still sad about it all over again i mean you know it's just it just is what it is i mean i did that i i've been in bands and touring since i was a teenager and um i went really hard for a really long time i paid all my dues did all the work uh, made you know six out plus albums between a couple different projects um you know did toured all over the world etc it was awesome but uh it's not sustainable for me at this point especially not the band wax idols it just became an impossible task and i just kind of grew beyond it artistically i just i don't really feel a desire to be in a rock band anymore i still feel a desire to create music which i have been doing still but just in a more low-key kind of like loose experimental way as cliche as it is, you know, band member goes solo and gets a loop pedal, that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good vibe too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really loved Wax. I loved Wax Idols, and I still do. I love, especially American Tragic and Happy Ending, which I seem to have projected my own breakup onto. <laughs> That's okay. That's what music's for. Which is oh, really hits me, hits yeah. me right here. But it's like, I think my favorite music is the kind that's like gloomy and dancey at the same time yeah you're a goth it's true yeah 
guilty as charged. <laughs> and then, like, your solo material, I read I read an interview mm-hmm. where you said you wanted a less of a cushion between you and the listener. And I feel that. I feel that for real. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I just, you, when I started, when I was doing bands, I really liked the idea of, like, you know, kind of having a gang or whatever around you and that kind of made me feel safer because I've always had uh, a lot of social anxiety so it's like was easier for me to get up on stage and stuff when there was people around me safety in numbers safety in numbers but uh I don't really feel that way anymore I'm not it's not even like I was saying I'm never going to perform with people like in a band setting again it's just it's just not what I feel like doing right now I'm just taking a break you know no, that's fair. I, I I respect I respect your break. Yeah, just gonna see your need for a break. Gotta do others. I'm writing a book. I'm like just vibing. I'm just like trying to just live, just be a person. Podcast. I, I, I'm dealing <laughs> with pivoting it. to I'm podcasting. It. You know, it's a uh, it's a move. <laughs> Podcasters are the new rock stars, anyway. I mean, oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I I always say that having a podcast is kind of like being in a band, only it's less cool. I mean, we talked about this the other day. I maintain and insist that musicians are, by and large, not cool. Mm. Present Hot take. Present company included. <laughs> it's it's all it's all smoke and mirrors, folks. It's all smoke and mirrors. You pay to see see people on stage like believing in themselves and projecting an image of confidence and coolness to you. But when they go home at night, usually alone or too high on drugs or drugs whatever cool like I don't sure cool sure but when I you're home at, when you're home at 5 a.m by yourself you know and the the rush of the adrenaline rush of attention has gone away you know you're just a regular nerd you know in a bed just like everybody else interesting yeah because i like really always wanted to be in a band and i was in some like rather unsuccessful bands that yeah. i got kicked out of but like I feel like any residual coolness I have now is the result of once having been like a music and nightlife person. And now I'm a politics nerd, but like I'm still like a little bit cool, maybe, although it's really not cool to say that you're cool. I don't know. Cool is a moving target. This is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Next. I'm wrong. (laughs) Next. (laughs) (laughs) I will take the L on that. (laughs) Um, So I guess. I have a few things that let's talk about the business stuff first and then we'll move into more um, get political again. How about that? Okay. So um, I've heard a lot of controversy around streaming services and how they're bad for artists. Can you explain that to me a little bit? (sighs) Sure. I mean, um, look, I am fine with the idea of people stealing my music personally, you know, downloading it like we used to do back in the day on Napster and et cetera. Um, you know, I give it, give it away for free, free downloads. I don't care. It's not, it's not about me having a problem. I'm speaking only for myself, uh, with people not paying for music. What I do have a problem with is, uh, other people, corporations, not people, corporations known as Pete Buttigieg. Oh, corporations are totally people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're Pete Buttigieg. Um, that was a good Twitter joke. I'm stealing from someone else. Uh, I do have a problem with corporations making money off of my music and me not getting any of that money. And I have a problem with that happening to artists in general, which is essentially what has happened with platforms like Spotify, where they are multi-billion dollar corporations that pay their employees very, very well with all the the frills and benefits and the fancy break rooms and the all expenses paid work trips and the 
you know razor scooters. falafel for dinner and or lunch and you know all the all this all the stuff in the office the gym in the office whatever they have in the office such fineries and meanwhile you know musicians have been like fighting you know having to go to court and stuff like tooth and nail to just get like basic percentages of of that money that that our work is generating i mean it's it's terrible it's just that's what i have a problem with and um, i think most independent artists feel the same way where it's like it's not that we we demand that you pay for our music we demand that if someone's getting paid for our music it be us and not corporations and so that's that's the big the big problem yeah you just kind of assume when as like a lay person consumer when you pay for a streaming service that that's because the streaming service is paying the artists a decent amount of money yeah supposedly they are but they're not not how it works i mean i could show you i could print out my bmi you know my royalty statements and like the amount of money that i get quarterly from spotify off of you know granted i don't have that i don't have that many i have like you know maybe ten thousand streams a month on maximum altogether, which is not that much um but that would probably equal like three dollars so if ten thousand people have decided to listen to my music i get $3. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's low to me. it's crazy. Imagine if all 10,000 of those people had d- decided to pay $1 for the song on Bandcamp. That would be $10,000 minus a small percentage fee that Bandcamp pays for hosting. It's like 10% or something like that, not even. Mm. And so I that would it would be like, you know, I would get like I'm not good at math, so don't make fun of me, but uh, you know, something more like 8 $9,000 pretty good nine thousand dollars better than three better than three dollars quite a bit three dollars versus like nine thousand dollars and again my math is not total i'm not great at it it might not be it might be more than three dollars a little bit but i mean not much Mm. so it's it sucks and it's uh yeah i mean but you know i never was making music to make money anyway i never expected any to ever make money doing it it's just the thing that I was always good at and passionate about. So I just did it. It and is do work. It. it is labor. Like I feel yeah. like a lot of the time with people in the creative field, they kind of hide your own labor from you. This is true when I was a writer as well. Like, Oh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. This isn't work. It's not like people are making money off of you. You're just having fun at the office all day right. long doing blogs. Right. And, that can keep people i mean speaking firsthand as someone who tried to unsuccessfully to organize a union at my company it can keep people from having any conscious of consciousness of themselves as workers right and that's and again that that is the same point that about spotify it's like you know if i had let's let's say wax idols was a band that nobody ever gave one single fuck about and no one ever listened to it and i was going around complaining about how i'm not getting paid for it that would be one thing But the fact of the matter is there was money being made off of my band by a lot of different people and situations at different points in time. And uh, guess what? I was never I was never one of them. I was (laughs) neither were my bandmates and I who I struggled, who I would split everything with, you know, all the show money and merch money, even evenly, even when they didn't even play on certain releases, even when they weren't. You know what I mean? Like I, I would just not pay myself most of the time so that way I could pay my bandmates because there was just, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a great time to be a musician. That's for sure. I mean, and it is in terms of 
what's happening creatively, which there's lots of really great stuff happening. Um, but it's not, it's not the, you know, 1970s anymore or whatever, where like a really cool band gets discovered and you get all, you get a big deal and you get good people who advocate for you and you get to buy yourself a big house and with a hot girl's room in it. Yeah. I mean, that ain't how it works anymore. Unless, unless you're, I don't know, Beyonce. Yeah. She probably has a hot chick's room in her house yeah, somewhere. I mean sh- yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, this is a really long conversation to get into. Cause then we get into the whole idea of, um, uh, art as a commodity, which is a problem in and of itself. And it's kind of the antithesis of what art's supposed to be. And capitalism so. ruins everything. You True. heard it here, folks. You heard it here. You yeah. heard it here first. Yep. That's right. Well, okay. So say I'm a consumer and I want to listen to music in a way that is less predatory towards the artist. What should I be using instead? Because the whole reason why I started using Spotify in the first place was because it just became impossible to sync up my iTunes with my phone. And I probably sound like a fucking boomer right now. (laughs) But I know I'm not the only person who quit out of frustration and just moved to Spotify because it was very easy to use. Yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point. I've heard that a lot from a lot of people. And I myself even used Spotify for a couple of years, even though I hated myself the whole time I was doing it. I no longer use it. But um, I mean, it depends on what you're into. For people that are into kind of more like uh, in underground, independent music, Bandcamp's definitely. They have a great streaming app. You know, you can the money goes directly to the artists. Uh, and there's tons of stuff on there. So I would highly recommend Bandcamp. Um. You're going to have to show me later how to make a playlist of things I want to stream on Bandcamp. I don't think you can make a playlist. Ah. I don't, or maybe you can. I honestly don't know. I just fly, I just jump around. It's like when you buy things, it goes into a, a like your music that you purchased, and then you can just hit play and listen to all that. I mean, th- I don't think that there is currently a major streaming service that is as convenient for playlists and such as Spotify. It's like I use Spotify when I DJ. Yeah, but I mean that sucks too. I mean, we can really like, go into I'm it. I'm not really <laughs> DJing. Like I don't jockey any discs. Yeah, I mean, it's just easy. I, d- I just I think the whole DJ. thing is bad. I think the whole thing is bad. I do. I I just do. I I think the magic of sitting down with an album is being lost by these services. I think algorithms are really destructive and terrible for music listeners. It's like just feeding you stuff that you they like that some machine like decides that you will probably like based on other things that you've heard and there's nothing personal about it or special about mm. it at all. They're usually right. I'm not an individual. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It just makes me sad. There it's a really it's a very complex issue that people have a lot of different varying passionate very passionate opinions on um and i just am the kind of person who leans leans against at all times anything that is uh predatory and capitalistic and i probably would be maybe doing better maybe have done better with my music career if i'd been a little less outspoken about this kind of stuff but here we are (laughs) well that's why you get to pivot to podcasts now it's perfect hell yeah the perfect it's you finally found your medium this is the this is probably actually the best as medium much for as me. i want you to continue making music i'm still gonna make I like music, music. The, i'm still gonna make music because i like i can't not make music it's just in my bones this is who i am but i don't have any desire to make music in that way anymore to where i'm like constantly on an album cycle 
constantly trying to promote myself, constantly on tour, just trying to like make ends meet and like be a part of that whole um, machine. I just have, it just, it doesn't inspire me. It, it sucks the life out of me and most of my friends. And, uh, and I just don't want to, I don't want to participate in it anymore. I'd rather be active in trying to rebuild some, build something new. And that's something a lot of musicians are trying to do, trying to figure out different models for streaming services, maybe trying to do like co-ops, maybe trying to do, um, you know, co-op record labels, um, self-releasing things, uh, trying to create new DIY spaces, uh, figuring, having conversations about how to unionize. I mean, we're trying. It's just, it's, it's a, it's just a really tricky and, um, demonic industry. Mm. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to ask you like what new models you think could be sustainable for artists. I know you've been releasing one song at a time on Bandcamp. Yeah, that's been cool for me because it's just, like, easy. And I have my own record label, and I know how to do all the stuff. I know how to, you know, go – I go and you, I know how to upload to all the streaming services and through one one single service that goes everywhere if I want to use those. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's easy, if you, especially if you already have an, an audience built in. I think the hardest thing about not having a record label or that kind of, like – platform to work with is for newer artists who don't have like kind of any any kind of notoriety or support system built in and because I have somewhat of that already um that I after many 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 years of of toiling um I can kind of do things like that to some degree of success without having to like pay exorbitant amounts of money for PR and um sell my rights the rights to my music away in perpetuity to some like but fuck indie label who's going to give me $3,000. But I recognize that not everybody's in a position to do that so much. So I really don't have any solutions, but I know that I'm just trying to help find them somehow. And a lot of, a lot of other artists I know are in the same boat. There's like a discord channel that a bunch of us are in where we talk about this stuff all the time. Like I always used to think back when I was very naive about things that like, if a musician or a band was big enough for me to have like heard of them and like their music, they must be doing all right. Probably don't have to have any day jobs. And then I actually made friends with some musicians and I found out that was not the case. Oh no. Like I remember I, we are poor. I interviewed Frankie Rose a while back, a while back. You can see this cover story on my wall from like, Oh yeah. 2009 or whatever. And she was like, oh, yeah, the same month that I was on the cover of Spin Magazine, I was also, like, cleaning people's houses. And that was, like, things were even a little bit better back then than they are now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, woof. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough business. All businesses are tough. Um, music industry is particularly exploitative. I mean, all, all industries are exploitative, I think, but work in and of itself is exploitative for the most part. But, uh. And under the system, but um, the music industry is a is a, a special a special mm. beast with many many heads. Mm. So, Ugh. yeah, gross. It is gross. It's sad. Well, wait, where is it? Where is I going with this? Um, oh yeah. Well, um, crowdfunding seems like it might be the future model, at least until we figure out something better. Like, it seems like it really grew up alongside podcasts. Yeah. Like I remember <clears throat> I was really resistant to doing it at first cuz I was like 
asking for money that's so tacky i'd rather just ask a, a boss or a job for money and right. that's like somehow more legitimate but then i was like i don't think it's any more legitimate actually if you're doing something and you're delivering it directly to people and they like it and they pay you for it then you're like eliminating the middleman yeah except for the corporations that run those yeah those no that's services, true too but like it would yeah. be really nice to have like a cooperative one or a something cooperatively owned kind of left left-leaning platform there are people trying to build those and uh taking money and everything that's happening their people are doing it like i do worry that eventually we may get deplatformed from patreon or whatever for being too um subversive or yeah um you know obviously it's only just it's all parody whenever we talk about 100 violent revolution i'm not even really here no, it's just, it's a parody. It's yeah. a hologram. Uh, I'm a hologram of, of, of myself. But, like, I have seen, all, like, alt-right people getting leftists kicked off of various platforms for, like, bullshit reasons. Like, I believe it happened to, it's going down not that long ago. And I really like them. They're, like, a really good anarchist podcast. It gives you Damn. updates on what's going on in the world. Damn. So. Alt-right oh. trolls. They're, they're mobilized. Yeah. They're, oh. they're. <laughs> They they're gifted they're in that way. There. They're out there. See, that's why we need a troll army to to combat them. Like you got to fight fire with fire. This is what I was talking about with the Socialist Rifle Association. Mm. Like in an ideal world, no one would have guns, and like I would be perfectly. I, mean, I, don't, I don't have any guns, but Faye from Socialist Rifle Association would be perfectly willing to give up all of her guns if it meant that all of the guns in the world were going away. But yeah. that's not the world that we live in. The right is heavily armed. The state is heavily armed. And that being the case, I want our side to have some form of self-defense, whether it does anything or not. But I think Faye made a very good case for why it does. Um, and I feel the same way about troll armies. Yeah, I I am in agree- agreement with all of that. I, yeah, I, gun gun control is a huge issue and like, there should not be assault weapons willy nilly floating around. Like that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like I do think there need to be better background checks, all those things. Like I, I'm a, I'm pro gun control, but I'm not anti gun in the sense where I think, um, it's okay to have, uh, civilians be unarmed while the state is heavily armed period. It's like if cops have guns, then, uh, you first, you first cops. Yeah. Like go ahead and drop yours and then, I'm sure everyone would be happy to drop theirs, but mm-hmm. maybe not the right the right wing people. Yeah, yeah. They just it's really so scary. It's like a masculinity thing or something for those types. But uh, yeah. So you seem to have a lot of political opinions, and I've noticed a lot more musicians speaking up about politics lately. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on there? Are you happy to see this development? I am. Maybe from the days when it was considered like uncool to care about the things going on in the world yes i am let me tell you 10 years ago folks it this was not something that was uh on trend for musicians to be doing Uh, in fact i regularly would was criticized and reprimanded and dm'd and pulled aside by all kinds of musicians my peers even my friends sometimes um 
people who are like in management and in, you know, whatever that would like try to advise me that I needed to basically put a lid on it if I wanted my career to go anywhere. And, um, that I'm sure they probably were right, but that's just not who I am. Like I've always, I, uh, just, I'm an activist spirit. Like I, I have been since I was a kid and, um, I just always was disgusted by it, by all that. I'm like, we're all, these are people who are supposed to be like punks and you're supposed to like everyone pretending to have like a message or like feminism or like girl power or whatever. But like you, then you have to maintain some aura of mystery and like being like subservient and like docile in order to be taken seriously. So that way you can make money for a bunch of like capitalistic pigs who don't give a fuck about you or your art. No, thanks. Hell no. I'm going to pass on that every time. So it's been cool to see like an awakening in the last like couple of years amongst more of my peers that where they're like, you know what, actually, like, I'm not okay with this shit and I am not going to keep my mouth shut anymore. And I'm not a gatekeeper. So I'm like, hell yeah, come on over here. Like it's, Water's fine. you're going to make, you're not going to make as much money, but it's, but you're going to feel better about yourself at night. So <laughs> yeah, true. I feel like some people just don't think that they know enough to comment on politics which is one i mean that's one thing that that kept me from being a political commentator for a long time look if twitter has taught us anything it's that anybody any old asshole can say anything they want about anything they want so why not you (laughs) exactly i mean that's basically the conclusion that i came to yeah i was like oh i'm a woman oh i'm a leftist people are going to treat me like i'm an idiot squared but then i saw all the things that people were saying who get paid to talk about politics now. And I was like, well, these people don't know shit and I know more than they do. So I might as well try. Yeah. And here I am. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I certainly wouldn't pretend to be an expert in the field of politics whatsoever, but I mean, I'm pretty smart or whatever. And, uh, I, I just have, Oh, I don't know. I mean, you could ask my mom. I've always been like this. I don't know what's wrong with me, but (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, that's just, this is just who I am. Just who I am. It's all you know how to do. Yeah. I mean, Run my mouth, play guitar. It's a huge liability. Lie. <laughs> what is that? The fucking the meme format? All girls want to do now is like fucking eat be hot bisexual, chip and lie. Be bisexual. Eat hot chip and, and lie. lie. <laughs> so there's like something about texting on their phones in there too. Yeah. yeah. That's that's me. Yeah. Me too with you. Yeah. I feel it's a blessing and a curse in some ways. Like there's oh there's been many times when I'm like why can't I just keep my fucking mouth shut oh yeah and just like do this job or but like I I've always done jobs where it's like not just a job where you go you get exploited for your labor and then you go home at the end well I have done those jobs I've done like bartending jobs I've done like naked girl for hire jobs but like in my career it's always been like somewhat creative like I write yeah I blog I talk and like. Once you open the door to that, it's really hard not to say what you really think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think I realized just a long time ago that there's just no turning back. And the more I fought against myself and tried to, like, fit myself into boxes that other people wanted me to fit into, the more um, self-loathing I experienced and the more depressed I got and the more futile everything felt to me. So, you know, this is my life and I'm just, and I'm doing what I think is right. And like all that really matters to me at the end of the day is like, can I live with the decisions I've made? Am I a good 
person to my family and friends and my community. And I, and I, I feel like I am. So, I mean, that's just at a certain point I decided that, that was more important to me than any careerist ambitions. And I made my choice. I stand by it. So, well, I think it's working out for you. We'll see. Um, I think it's <laughs> been working out for me too. I live in constant fear that I don't know. So all this is going to come to an end and I'm going to have to try to find a normal ish job again. And like, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. That's when you marry rich. Now that everyone knows that I'm a communist, <laughs> but perhaps my second husband will be yeah. a rich man. Who that knows? A rich man. I mean, probably not. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll never be able to marry rich, <laughs> rich, rich guys tend to want you to like zip it. Uh, like, you yeah, know, like we experienced in New Hampshire. Oh, my goodness. Like Jennifer in bed with her headache. And like, oh. I mean, granted, I love being in bed with fake headaches, but yeah. it's not going to be because I'm going to let my stupid rich husband talk on my behalf. Mm-hmm. It's just I'd rather I'd rather live on in a shack in the forest by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the kinds of people I tend to be attracted to um, don't tend to attract very much money <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. They're just like good fucking solid ass dudes who uh you know are different have different priorities than uh they don't work in finance just yeah, say that same i'm not going to them uh finance happy hours no trying to meet folks no. I, I, I prefer you know dark bars yeah and music shows so we'll circle back uh, uh i had read to jamie a tweet by Maggie Sirota, shout out Maggie, um, saying Bloomberg never seems more at ease than when he's sitting in a chair on a stage and saying something absolutely horrific into a microphone, to which I responded that he should pivot to podcasting. <laughs> TBH. Indeed. TBD. TBD. TBA. TBA. He's going to, that would actually be a fine thing for him to do. Yeah. And all the shitty people who like him, which I don't really believe these people exist. I feel no. like he's just purely going after low information voters well and he's and then he's just paying everyone else exorbitant amounts of money to like help him with his campaign like like dc careerist or whatever yeah yeah i mean i guess he could pay everyone to listen to his podcast but like i really don't think it would have a lot of organic pickup out there <laughs> like i'll give you one million dollars every time you listen to my podcast maybe and he still wouldn't run out of money nope the, no like what he's doing right now that's the other scary part it's the equivalent of you and I like buying a pack of Twinkies or something. <laughs> like that's how little he's of his money he's spending on this campaign. Yeah, in comparison to how much money he has. Yeah. It's wild. It's disgusting. So, okay. I guess I should back up a little bit and give some of Heather's musical history for people who may not know. Oh um, boy. She was the front person slash primary songwriter in wax idols correct Mm -hmm. and guitarist and is now a solo artist and you can find her music on bandcamp.com yes and And other places but preferably tracks also did a very cool track um in to fund the bernie sanders campaign all the money from that track goes to our zadie our zaddy zaddy (laughs) bernie so that's nice check it out um also Used to play bass in a band called White Lung. Dun dun dun. And I gotta, I gotta ask you because we've talked a little bit about this in the past. Like, what's the deal with Mish Way and her politics? She was the the singer in White Lung. What's the, what's her fucking deal? Like, I was afraid to ask you about this 
because I've had uh, conversations before with people who are, you know, maybe on the left, and then I ask them about someone they are associates with, at least professionally, or friends with, or benefits them to be friends with, who is, like, maybe not a fascist, but at least, like, a little too fascist-friendly for my take, for, for my taste, and they try to, like, mm, they they say something very diplomatic that's also, like, very unsatisfying to me. <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, yeah, I always knew this day would come. Yeah, so to clarify, I was just the live bassist in White Lung for like a tour cycle, an album cycle. Um, Mish and I, and we used to be very good friends. Our bands kind of came up together, uh, touring and stuff. And then, um, while I was playing in White Lung, uh, I just started noticing some changes in her belief system, her politics. Um, she was a pretty, you know, outspoken feminist artist and uh you know was like pretty left-leaning i always thought based on our conversations and and um the things that she spoke about but i don't really know what happened i I won't pretend to speak for her or or try to speak for her um but she just started changing um she like started hanging out with like gavin mcginnis and shit uh, and I was like, not good. Yeah. Very and, bad. And I remember her being like, oh, you should come to this dinner with, that I'm going to with, with Gavin McGinnis. Like, he's so funny. Like, and like her showing me like his videos and stuff. And I was just like, uh, this is not, I don't, I'm not into this. Like, I don't, this guy seems like a piece of shit, like misogynist, like alt-right person or whatever. And like, was this in the era where he was just a creature of pure irony, where he had some plausible deniability? This was in the era where he was... More of a, just a full fash guy. He, he had not gone full fash. At this This was probably 2000, early 2000, late 2014, early 2015. That's eh, recent enough. So he's enough. like, he's, it's, it's recent enough. Um, I was very much like, no thank you, no thanks ma'am. And, um, the divides between us, uh, ideologically just continued to sort of spread from there. And I left the band due to those reasons and other personal reasons. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we do not have a relationship anymore. And I, I do not pretend to understand where she's coming from based on what I see sometimes on the internet and her current stance or whatever. I don't even know. It seems bad. Yeah. It seems, it seems, it seems like she has some not great ideas about stuff. And she, I, I don't know, maybe you can tell me more about it. Cause I've kind of checked out. Yeah. Well, we actually talked about this on an episode a while back because I remember seeing that she was the mm-hmm. editor of penthouse now and publishing some if not alt-right certainly alt-light figures in there and doing interviews like well i don't identify with how pc my generation is which like yes dirt uh, as a dirtbag leftist i too think our generation can be a little pc but the answer to that is never to provide a platform to shall we say fascist adjacent people (laughs) whose solutions to that are bad like, yeah, I was seeing like people like Mike Cernovich, Alan Dershowitz. Um, she interviewed Alan Dershowitz. They, yeah, he he wrote for Penthouse. Uh-oh. She had him in there. Yeah, the Dersh. Some very, some 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 bad folks. Are you bad serious? Crowd. Yeah, 
and then we we did like a jokey little bit that I thought would be funny but maybe fell flat on the show where we're like oh which other well-known publication will take a surprising political turn shall we have Maoist good housekeeping blah blah and like none of them were very good Andy's like did you write this at the dentist's office because like that's what all this was but I was just like it's so fucking random to me the a penthouse like there's nothing inherently political really about porn I don't think but they used to publish some like pretty lefty types in that magazine to take this kind of turn yeah I mean all I can say about that based on what I know of her as a person and her personality and just the way that she started talking about things toward the end of our relationship is that um you know she's just like became kind of like a full-blown edgelord and i i don't i don't necessarily believe in my heart of hearts that she agrees with any kind of like fascist things but she must have it in her head somehow that like this being like an edgelord in this way is the only way for her to set herself apart from like the pc lib feminists mm. and it's like no there's another way you can go it's called left mm-hmm. it's like not 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 platforming mm-hmm. alan dershowitz mm-hmm. and like whoever else she like yeah. and i don't know why that kind of that kind of hard turn um is like really cynical and like just sp- speaks to a kind of maybe perhaps a a lack of of um convictions that was there all along that i just didn't see because she's cool and or seemed you know seemed cool i thought she was cool and funny and charismatic and in a cool band and we were friends and i just didn't notice until until i started to notice yeah i feel like there's this idea that some people have it's like kind of a joe rogany idea too that she might have i mean she has talked about it in interviews where like we're just exchanging all different kinds of ideas, you know, like so she's got liberals writing for them. She's got right wingers and like, we're all just, are know, there any like leftists? No. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, so we're not listening to all, all no. ideas. We're just listening to the ones that she thinks are like, uh, palatable yeah, for her meaning just, that she's not a leftist and she's either a, a liberal at best or like a right leaning liberal. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like she could maybe slot in with, like, the Bill Maher kind of, like, edgelord liberal. I don't know. I don't know her politics in great detail. I don't either. I haven't, t- I haven't spoken to her in four years. I, I have. I met her, like, a few times back when I was a music journalist, and I remember being somewhat aware of her writing. And at this point in time, like, I was nominally a leftist, but I was more interested in music and parties and being friends with musicians and less interested in being super annoying and political all yeah, the time me too. like yeah. I am now. Yeah, as one does. And I feel like this era has brought things more to the surface. Yeah. So I remember reading some of her stuff and thinking like, I don't agree with that. Like, oh, I don't agree with being friends with Gavin McGinnis. No fucking quarter for fascist. I don't agree with some of the like Camille Paglia feminism that she was flirting with. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with oh, yeah. the takes of Professor Paglia. I am. But they're very like... Uh, I don't know how they're feminist. Really. I mean, uh, I, I understand her place in the canon. It's, uh, it's just, it's just not. I, I uh, the, the, some of the things I'm like, okay, okay. From an intellectual standpoint, I understand where you're coming from, but I, she, she has a lot of uh, views that I'm just kind of, I just kind of make me scratch my head and be like, do you? Re- this is the hell you want to die on? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, just like the idea that. You know, wanting people to respect transgender pronouns is like somehow 
bourgeois and like alienating to the working class. I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. Or like attacking these kind of straw man campus feminists, you know, none of whom ever get interviewed for these stories, but people doing like take back the night and stuff and yeah. trying to fight against uh, sexual assault on campus or in society in general and saying that they're somehow like these bougie liberal feminists whose uh, ideas aren't grounded in reality that I, I, I take issue with. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a hardline opinion on Paglia. I, I don't think I'm informed enough about all of her writing to really go there. Um, I know that she's not somebody that I like find inspiration in as a writer like i'm just like not i I just am not interested it's kind of like old like you know second wave feminism to me and or whatever and i just don't really care um some pretty nuclear takes yeah like the one where she said that uh climate change was some sort of like bourgeois conspiracy theory that's crazy like really do you really believe that that's actually right now what the fuck that's that she must have been trolling I mean, I I don't know. Or she's or she's or she's nuts because that just makes no sense. It's like crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I thought back to some of those things and those uh, things I'd seen from Mish and like some conversations that we'd had where she said like, "Oh, Gavin's a cool guy," and I was like, <laughs> "You know, this actually he's really not. <laughs> this makes sense." So, like, I didn't. I just wasn't really paying attention that much. To yeah, I mean, she's politics. from that whole like Vice like, era of like whatever. You know, it's just. I liked. Know. I liked White Lung. I thought White Lung was a good band. I saw Kenny's an amazing guitarist. I saw them back when you were still in the band, I believe, at Two Eighty Five Ken. Yeah, we ripped for a while, was, uh, for sure. It was real good, and then I was like, "What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on with everyone?" But like, people's politics are coming to the surface now in a way that they weren't before. And people are getting more open of it. And, like, they can sense, like, maybe on the other side, too. It's not a fucking game anymore. Yeah. And the idea of sitting down across the table from someone who's friends with Gavin McInnes just uh, doesn't sit right with me anymore at this point in time. Yeah, me either. You know, and that's that's a choice that I that I made. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, she has her own point of view about the end of our friendship. I mean, you know, she didn't have any very nice things to say say about me um and uh i don't really give a shit though because i don't really respect her anymore so next that's fair <laughs> well i'm glad i'm glad we cleared that up because i was kind of afraid like even back when I, I first saw you tweeting about like leftist shit i was like oh that's interesting i was a little surprised and then Oh God! I mean, I anyone who's anyone who's paid attention to me over the course of my online life knows that I have never even remotely been in the whatever camp that she's in, and if I was by affiliation for a a brief period of time because of her behavior, uh, I worked very quickly to you know uh, remove myself from that because that's just not cool with me and and also yeah i mean just like ew gross i'm, I'm glad to have you on our team yeah for sure no, this, this is the team i've always been on <laughs> and you know if people want to talk shit about the dirtbag left or whatever i think it serves a very important purpose at least for some people that you can have a left that is funny and irreverent and not beholden to all these bourgeois sensibilities and bourgeois civilities 
and also stands up for marginalized people. That's the bottom line. Exactly. And that's that's the issue that I always took. That's a lot of the problems I've run into in the music industry and in my industries in general and like being a public figure have been with liberal media people who like get mad at me for, I guess, being dirtbag left before they were called before we were calling it that. OG, OG, um, you know, for like saying, calling things as they are and like speaking out against like, you know, media fucking monopolization, like pitchfork and like all this kind of stuff and like all the corporate sponsors and these huge festivals and like the lack of inclusivity, inclusivity and like all these things that like, you know, you weren't supposed to talk about if you wanted to, if you wanted to get support by these types. And yet these are people who are supposedly, you know, quote unquote liberals, you know, and they care about they care about marginalized people. They care about the poor. They care about whatever. And it's like, do you actually care? Like, where do you people come from? Like, are you, cause it just seemed like I was constantly dealing with a bunch of like upper middle class to like rich people performing as like, you know, struggling artists or like writers or like, you know, whatever. And I guess that's essentially what, what we now know is to be as neoliberalism. Um, at the time there wasn't quite the same language within, well, at least within my circles, you know, it was just being like a young musician person where we had that, the language to name what that was, but there was always a, a hard line difference between me and those people. And, um, uh, I didn't realize it at the time that a lot of it had to do with the fact that I am just, uh, I'm, I'm a poor person. <laughs> like actually I come from like a, a long line of working class Midwesterners. And that's, you know, I, and also I was raised in like a, an immigrant family too. It's a weird story, but like, I'm not Lebanese, but I was raised in a Lebanese family from my, during most of my childhood. And I don't know, I just, my worldview has not ever allowed me to have these sort of like lofty bourgeois ideas about things, but I also am not fucking all right. You know, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. I don't think that it's women belong in the kitchen or like whatever, you know? And I think that for a long time, there wasn't really a clear way to distinguish myself politically because I didn't have maybe the language or the community or the education or whatever to know what it was, you know, yeah. that, that, I, that, I, that I could identify as. And I'm glad that eventually I was able to figure that out and sort of assert assert that for myself like i would much rather be referred to as like a dirtbag left person than you know be someone that like fucking virginia heffernan wants to hang out with or whatever god kill me like i'd rather die <laughs> yeah so yeah like i really think it's important to create space for people who have looked at you know liberal feminism or whatever and seen how fucking bankrupt and hypocritical it can be yeah and take that as a reason to adopt a coherent uh socialist feminist politics that cares about everyone in the world instead of uh some shall we say like more contrarian reaction that's merely the negation of that without a presenting a coherent alternative right right exactly and that's that's an important distinction to make too because like yeah that those types of people are like certainly can be funny or whatever but they're not really helping yeah it's not helping i mean i think also a lot of the time like you're right it is a function of privilege for people to be like 
well, I I don't care about politics. Like, yeah. why should I? Why should I care about the things that are happening in the world that affect everyone? Like, I'm just gonna fucking keep on doing my cool kid thing and not paying attention. La la la. Like that reductress article. Uh, the headline was like. Uh, I don't care about politics because I assume all of my privileges will continue forever. Yeah. And uh, it seems to me the people who are still, even in the face of so much evidence, I mean, we've had the evidence for a while that things are pretty bad for the vast majority of humanity. But especially at this phase when the contradictions are heightened so much and we really are being presented with a rising tide of fascism, not to mention climate change apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like the height of some rich white male privilege bullshit to be like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. that Yeah, shout out to my ex. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We are getting very spicy. Antifada after dark, folks. <laughs> Who's going to listen? I'm just kidding. The, the, <laughs> A lot the of night has fallen. I mean, I, mean, I, I no longer give one single shit hashtag unapologetic yeah i really don't i really don't anyone who would possibly be like ooh, scandalized by any of this is like somebody i don't give a, f- a fuck about and you know appealing yeah. to so i don't really care yeah i mean <laughs> it's like what I are we it's not even that way. we're not even saying anything that crazy it's like it's just facts yeah this it's is facts not attacks exactly <laughs> this is what you're like this is what we're like we're some fucking loud Bernie bitches. Take it or leave it, uh, folks. We're just going to have to make it work for ourselves. And you know what? I think we are. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm dating a fucking professor, so I'm doing fine. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shout out to commie professor. By the time this comes out, we're not dating anymore. Watch. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I dated a commie professor once upon a time and, yeah. uh, that relationship has now come to a close, but. I am not sorry that I did. Are you going to drop that bomb right now? Oh, no. that That's already been dropped. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, we dropped, but we did it at the end of, like, a very long three-part episode. So I feel like a lot of people fell asleep. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> didn't make it that far. <laughs> it was like a reward for the real heads who listened to all three parts to the end. Like, they get to know what's up with the Antifada's personal life. Yeah. I mean, not the details but they get to know that we're uh i mean they had to i'm like they they gotta figure it out they have to have figured it out by now we're not being on any episodes together but i mean shit happens you know shit happens we're together for nine years that's a long time i don't consider it a failure no it was a very important and influential you learned a thing lot in my life yeah. i did i learned a lot you tell me everything i know and now i gotta Maybe learn not everything but not everything i don't want to be like things I just want to be where the boys are. Like, yeah, no. He was not the only ingredient in my radicalization. But uh, I think that came partly from just like being a fail child and living on my own in the world for the first time and realizing like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of hard. And maybe it's not my fault that I'm failing to thrive. And if it's this hard for me coming from relative privilege, as I do, um, it must be really hard for the vast majority of people and that led me to becoming a leftist. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to me, like the joke about um, how women like, are joining up with the dirtbag left to impress boys, or whatever. And you made that joke earlier. Cause for me, it's like, I mean, that's hilarious to me, but for me, it's like the, the literal exact opposite experience. In fact, 
men have been nothing but a hindrance to my radicalization, to my ongoing radicalization, um, my entire life. I mean, all they've, all any, any boyfriend or husband or whatever has ever tried to do for the most part is give me to shut up or like be smaller or, you know, be like, I'm, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Um, so not gonna work guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it's like the opposite reason. Like I, in spite of, of boys on the left, I continue to be radicalized. <laughs> like it's, it, it's not because or for their benefit. Mm. Believe you me. Well, now that this relationship has ended, it's possible that I, my next husband will be a fucking, I don't know. Someone who works for people to judge, and I'll become a uh, fucking shit lib. But I strongly doubt it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, refuse to allow that to happen. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no to that. My friends will hold me accountable. You should, we shouldn't even. We shouldn't even speak it into existence. No, I don't think that's gonna happen. That would be. You'd have to have like a serious Xanax addiction or something. <laughs> I don't know. I would have to be like lobotomized. You have to be Xan the fuck out. I would be like <laughs> one of those Jennifers that we couldn't talk to, just like fucking lobotomized in the basement held there against my will yeah in a really plush bed so if i ever do start talking like that you guys will know to send help yeah jamie's been detained from i watch you every day walk down saint mark's place I watch you every day walking down and down St. Mark's Place Maybe there's a better way Maybe there's a better way It's a brand new day Maybe there's a better way Gotta, gotta be a better way And I watch you, watch you I watch you